Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sam and Chats. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson. Joined, as always, is my man in the Whitecaps jersey today, Mr. Chance Michaels. And here with us, ladies and gentlemen, from Peterborough, Ontario, now making Vegas home, the crippler, Cody Crawley. Cody, thank you for coming on to the show. How are you, my man? A few weeks out. I appreciate it, brother. Um, right now, I'm hot. I, I just jumped into a sauna about 10 minutes ago. Um, so I'm trying to do two things at once here right now. But I'm feeling great. Uh, I'm ready for my fight. I've been ready for my fight. Yeah. Uh, I've been I've been training since shoot July. Yeah. Or August. Uh, mm-hmm. when I got the call to get ready for a fight. So I was only home. Um, I went back home when my dad passed away, mm-hmm. and I stayed there for about three weeks. And then I got a call to go get ready. So I had to go and handle business. And I jumped on a plane straight back to work. And unfortunately, just with circumstances, I haven't fought yet. Things kept getting pushed back, pushed back. But hey, everything happens for a reason. Now I'm fighting, you know, March 25th uh, on my 30th birthday in Las Vegas at the MGM Garden. Um, One of the places that I've been dreaming of fighting at ever since I first moved to Vegas when I was living in Hooters Hotel across the street for Mm -hmm. a a month or two. I remember waking up every day, looking across and saying, I'll be fighting there one day. Mm -hmm. And now uh, I got the opportunity and the platform to fight there on probably one of the biggest cards this year um, that PBC is throwing on. And, you know, it might not get publicized as one of the biggest, but I think with the matchups, um, and of course, with Caleb and Benavides, that's a fight that's been in the making for five or six years now. And it's a it's a very big one for boxing. Boxing fans are finally getting what they what they deserve. Yeah, finally, it's, it's taken a couple of years, but we're starting to see these ripple effects of some of the fights that are coming out. Like, I mean, the first quarter of the calendar year has produced some amazing fights, hands down. Like we, we got fight of the year candidates and. You know, things are just getting better and better. But Cody, I'd like to start at the beginning with you here. I, you know, I understand that you started off loving hockey, being a good Canadian kid, Don Cherry there for you. Um, yeah. and, and and I understand that you started combat sports as a way of training for hockey. What was the transition for you? How did that happen where you said, you know what, forget the skates. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Um. You know what, my, my dad, he, yeah. uh, quote unquote, to stay in shape for hockey, he signed me up for kickboxing. Uh, but realistically it was at the time I was, uh, a pretty soft kid. I was chunky. Um, you know, always last to the line. Uh, I had no self-confidence as soon as I got the puck, I would shoot it right away. I didn't want to be seen at all. So in his eyes, he wanted to, you know, toughen up his kid, build some self-confidence and shed off some of those man boobs that started to grow on me. So he threw me into kickboxing. And within the first three months, I took off right away um, with it because I started to feel um, everything that I was putting into what I was doing. The weight started to come off, um, you know, went from not being able to run to running a mile to running two miles to running three miles. So every ounce of energy that I put into it, I would I would see a return on my investment. Mm-hmm. And that's what really made me more and more hungry for it because I would, I, I would bring that same intensity and conditioning that I was um, creating with the boxing into my hockey, 
but other guys, you know, um, they might not put as much into it. So I can go out there and bust my butt all day long and be the hardest worker on the team, but we might still go, you know, Oh, and 10 and not win a game. Um, so it just didn't feel like the sport for me now that I've felt and witnessed what true hard work and dedication can can get you. And so, and you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link on a team. So I figured, well, I'm going to be the strongest link and the weakest link on the Cody Crowley team. Cody, what made you transition from kickboxing into boxing? Um, so it was when I started to see the hard work that I was putting into the boxing and um, the benefits that I was I was getting out of it. You know, if I showed up and I put the work in, I would instantly see results, you know, went from not being able to run to running a mile to two miles to three miles um, to being overweight to every day waking up lighter because I was doing the exercise. I was, I was following my eating regimen. And when I would try and bring that same work ethic and determination uh, over into the hockey arena, it didn't quite feel the same because I wasn't getting those, those same results because now it's not just based off me, but I had a whole entire team with me. And I could show up and give as much work as I want, as much hard work and determination. But that doesn't mean that every other person on the bench is giving it their 110%, right? Some guys might be slacking and you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. So I, I really started to come to the understanding that I wanted to be the strongest link and the weakest link in Cody Crowley and only Cody Crowley. So that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this and, um, and fight and just give everything I have to boxing. And I, that's when I had my very first, first fight and actually it was kickboxing at the time. And, uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday because I was so cocky from the results I was getting with the hard work I was putting in that I thought I was just unstoppable. And it was very easy. And I was showing up to, you know, my my elementary school, telling all the kids I had a big fight this weekend coming up and I'm this badass and everything. Coming from a kid who didn't want any attention at first, right, when he would started playing hockey. Um, and at the time, it was a kickboxing slash karate tournament. And at that age, um, it's co-ed, 13 and 14 years old. So I showed up there all pumped up with my chest flared peacocking and yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as that bell rang i looked across and there was a little girl standing there next to me and within 10 seconds she picked up her legs so quick and just across my face and just kicked the crap out of me oh, wow. and um now you guys were wearing headgear right yeah we were wearing headgear <laughs> okay, um, okay but right there i lost my very first fight and then i had to go back to school and not only you know saying oh yeah and swallow it yeah I lost my first fight I got my butt kicked but I got my butt kicked by a girl and that that just that was very very humiliating for me right um I had a lot of shame 
uh, I just, I felt worse than when I first started the kickboxing, when I would get the puck in hockey and shoot it right away. Right. Um, cause I didn't want to be seen. And that right there, that moment of having to own up to what happened, it installed this drive inside of me that I would never let myself feel like that again. I would never let myself feel that defeat. Mm -hmm. And I know I came up short this time, but if I continue to put in the hard work and work harder than I ever thought possible, that I would be successful. And right then at that age of 13, 14 years old, um, the, the, the monster that people see in the ring right now that can just go for 12 rounds against anybody, um, that's how that guy first got started because he got the door shut in his face so much from humility mm -hmm. and uh, shame that I wasn't going to uh, let that happen again. Awesome, awesome. So you, Cody, you graduate from high school, two-time Ontario champion in boxing. So, you know, things started to pick up there. Uh, you graduate and you decide to go to Vegas. And how, how was that? It lasted a little while, I guess. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So I, I still remember um, all through high school. Uh, I would, I, I, I just, I was embodying the fact that I would be a professional fighter and a world champion one day. I walked it, I talked it, everything. And so I'd be going to school and, you know, sometimes my mom would even sign me out of class so I could, so I could just go to the gym um, and train. I had teachers, you know, being like, you need to pick your grades up, get ready for, for college. Um, what, what do you want to go at? What do you, what curriculums do you want to go into? We need to start prepping for that right now. And I was so determined. I just said, no, I'm not going to college. I'm, I'm going to be a professional fighter. Mm. And they laughed, um, you know, kind of just thought, okay, well, what a dream. Because no one knows what professional fighting is uh, in Peterborough, especially back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Wow. And as soon as I graduated, I booked a one-way ticket. Right. And I just got dropped off in the fight capital of the world. I knew that coming from Canada, the small little town that I was at, um, even though I was, you know, a provincial champion, I won nationals, uh, that level of boxing is very, very little right. compared to what the world has to offer. Yeah. So if, if I want any chance of being successful, I need to put myself in the best possible environment to be successful. Right. And that's what made that Las Vegas decision very, very easy. And I got off that plane and once again, I got my butt kicked. Um, I had no idea what I was in for. Right. And, you know, professional fighters everywhere, MMA guys, boxers. And I remember working hard, working hard, kept telling everyone back home, I'm going to be this champion. And truth be told, I was getting my butt kicked every single day. Mm -hmm. I'd be on the phone with my mom saying, you know, I want to give up and I want to come home and I'd be crying. And uh, about six months into it, um, she's finally had enough. And she goes, OK, you come home. I'll, I'll book you a ticket home. And uh, so I came home and it was that exact same feeling 
that I had as a little kid when I got my butt kicked by the girl. Right, right. I, I was reliving the same experience. Mm -hmm. And I knew that this can't be the end um, of the journey. And I just need to bite down a little bit harder. And I wasn't quite ready to go back yet. And then I started getting involved with, you know, friends and drinking more and sure. got into, um, you know, experimenting with drugs a little bit. Right, right. And I just, I, I kind of became a washed up version of myself. But deep down, I knew it's only a matter of time before I break out of whatever I'm in. I felt like I was in a little cocoon just waiting to become a butterfly, you know, and, yeah. and grow and expand and finally fly. Absolutely. And it, it, it wasn't until um, one day when I met a girl at a bar. I was going to ask um, you about that. Yeah, I met a girl at a bar and, um, you know, I picked her up and we were hanging out for probably a month or two. Um, and I got an eye opener. She's just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing with your life? Are you going in any direction? Like you just, you know, you wake up on the couch and then you go and go downtown and party. And like, if we're going to do something, something needs to change. Yeah. And that was a big realization that I was just wasting time. And the only person who was going to pick me up out of my hole and save myself was myself. Mm -hmm. So I made the decision right there um, where, you know what, I can give this one more try. And before I went there without a support system, you know, um, so it was very, very hard. And this time, if I have a support system, I had someone there to help me emotionally. Um, I, I think I could do it. I could bite down and do it. And so I got my first job. I saved up money for six months. Um, she was working. She saved up money. And then both of us booked one-way tickets to Las Vegas with a 10-year game plan that no matter what happens, um, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to leave. It doesn't matter if I lost every single fight. I was going to give myself 10 years from 21 to 31 to become a world champion. And I just brought that same tenacity to win, that will to win, and that Canadian hardworking spirit of just never giving up and a lot of a lot of the fighters down in the states they're just so naturally gifted with yeah. god-given talent that they, they worked hard but you know they weren't training in a garage for three hours a day while there's four feet of snow outside mm -hmm. um and waking up every day and and pushing yourself they had teams and everything right so i feel like coming from canada in that small town and limited resources that it forged this internal strength inside of me that not a lot of these other guys had and with that i was able to continue to show up every single day even though the first time i met my coach he didn't want to train me because i was so horrible I continued to show up and not take no for an answer. And eventually all the guys that I was showing up to the gym, looking at, idolizing, wanting to be like, they slowly, months and months go by, they slowly fell off and disappeared because, you know, things would happen in life or fights would fall through or relationship issues, all things right. that they just couldn't 
handle internally. Yeah. yeah. Right. So eventually um, I started learning how to box. I started having a higher boxing IQ and I, I just kind of took off. Yeah, your 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 record twenty one and zero. You have an amazing record. Uh, let's just so this is we're almost at the end of uh, year eight. Starting ironically enough, year nine will start on your birthday as you enter the ring. Or would you consider this to be the biggest uh, contest that you're going to be going into? Yeah, yeah, biggest platform, um, biggest test. Um, you know, I've had. I'm coming in this fight as not the underdog. I've had other fights where I come in as the underdog, but the stakes haven't been as high. Um, this time I'm fighting for the mandatory position for the WBC, the mm -hmm. highest ranked world title that there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot on the line. I win this and I put myself in a position that a lot, a lot of fighters would, would, would kill to be in. And nobody can take that position away from me. No rankings, no politics, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, and we, we know that, you know, boxing has turned into more so of a business nowadays than anything else. So come getting into those positions are hard to come by. Yeah. And I feel like I've, I've earned this position. I've fought a long and hard way. I took a, a journey that most fighters wouldn't take. You know, I left some of the biggest promotional companies to go and self-manage, self-promote on my own just because I lacked um, some of the talent that was required to compete at a certain level. But I knew if I had more time, I would eventually be at that level and I could compete with them. And so, you know, I took a longer, harder road but now I'm here and I almost have that position where no one can take a world title fight away from. That's awesome, brother. Uh, your thoughts on Abel Romo, your opponent for that night. Uh, is there anything you, you can share with us that you, you, you know, to, to be honest, um, I've never watched him fight. I don't know anything about him. Um, haven't watched 10 seconds of clip on him. But I know that he is a determined Mexican fighter, which means that he's coming forward. He's throwing big, heavy shots, and he can take a shot too. Mm -hmm. So um, me, I typically, I fight off principles. Um, and with the information that I'm presented with about who he is uh, and how I fight, it kind of seems like a firework type of match just a straight up barn burner it seems uh, like you guys are going to meet in the middle and go right at it that's what it seems like to me that's that's what i'm hoping for that's what i'm, I'm ready for you know i'm uh i'm boxing you know 15 rounds right now um ready for a war and i always show up ready for a war uh, a lot of these guys say that they're ready for the same thing but after rounds four five six seven comes um their gas tank starts to go and mm -hmm. next thing you know, they find their backs on the ropes and it just, it, it's not that rock and sock and robot fight that you, that, that we wanted. So I, I hope Abel Ramos is training hard. I hope he's ready um, because I'm, I'm the type of fighter that 
I want all my fights to be meaningful. I want to, you know, I want to go down as a legend. I want people to remember me like an eternal Gotti, uh, just a straight up warrior who put his heart on his sleeve. Um, Cause that's what I've done my whole entire career. I've literally gave my life to the sport of boxing and I haven't been in the position yet um, or had the opposition where it's got to manifest um, how much I've actually put into this sport. And I want it to be remembered and I want it to live on once I'm out of the sport to remember that I was a warrior for people to understand what I had to go through internally to, to, to get in that ring. I want it to, to manifest externally. Totally. Uh, so, you know, um, Earl, Earl has spoken your name in the past here. Uh, your thoughts on Earl now, as you know, like as, as time has passed and, you know, the fallout of that, the fight that he was supposed to have, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on him now? Um, I would love to fight Earl. Um, I feel like that was a fight that has slowly kind of been building um, ever since, you know, I've been fighting on his undercards. Um, and the fact that he called my name out out of the blue, um, it wasn't a good call out. It was talking bad about me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, in order for you to say something, though, about someone and talk smack about them when they have yet to mention your name, when other people have really mentioned your name and you're kind of like a ghost in the room, means that they definitely know who you are. Mm -hmm. and there's definitely bigger things that works and in the play and i feel like that was kind of a planting of the seed for what he has in mind for what promoters have in mind um to slowly build and manifest into a, a welterweight world title fight how is the training camp going cody right now how do you feel in training camp Training camp's going good. Like I said, you know, I'm boxing 15 rounds right now. Um, three different spawn partners. I have a feeling like a beast. Um, conditioning has never been a problem with me. Uh, my strength is only getting stronger. Um, I haven't had a knockout in a while, and I'm really, really hoping that on March 25th uh, to deliver a beautiful birthday present to myself. And that's get a knockout that I uh, feel like I have 100% earned in this training camp and I've worked hard for. I sure hope so. I'm rooting for you. So, Cody, Thanks, that's bro. awesome. Uh, and, you know, I, I expect only the best to happen that night for you and, you know, for, for, for Canadian boxing. I'm going to, I'm not, not to put that kind of pressure on you or anything, but just in general, I think you are that next name that's going to come out of Canada and carry that flag, man. I really believe it. I, I, I'm waiting. I'm watching you. We're watching you, and you know it's just—it's very motivational to just hear your journey and and to 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 you know in in a, in in a lot of ways, kind of our journeys is kind of similar, you know, in in terms of where we are. Like we're a boxing podcast, but we're in Vancouver. Like you yeah. know, we talk about it all the time. We would love to move to Vegas because who God knows what we could accomplish if we were there, you know. Yeah, just, uh, but. That's that's what I, I feel like I represent um, the ordinary man absolutely, who, who just with hard work and determination um, can, can accomplish anything. 
Absolutely. And that's one of my that's one of my major things that I'm trying to get across to people is there's no difference in what I do compared to a businessman who makes it to, you know, Fortune 500 company or, um, you know, one of the best uh, NASCAR racers or what, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, boxing is just an expression. And it's really the, the internal ups and downs that you have to go through um, that, that, that make you great. And for somebody to go over their very first fight losing to a female and having no directory of being successful and then becomes a world champion shows that it has nothing to do with talent. It has everything to do with the being inside and not taking no for an answer. You can literally accomplish anything in this world that you want to as long as you don't give up and you continue to strive to be successful. Absolutely, brother. Thank you for that. And I hope everyone, you know, can can pick up on those words, man, because those are just beautiful words to live by, my friend. Uh, Cody, very quick question here, man. The Crippler, how did that happen? How did you become the Crippler? Um, to be honest, I uh, I don't really I don't really know. Um, back in high school, that kind of came about. Um, but it kind of, it, it really, it really goes now. Like when I get in that, when I get in that ring, that's exactly what I try and do. I try and cripple my opponents. I try and take their souls. Um, I try and break them down internally. That's, that's my goal. And uh, so Cody, the crippler Crowley, it just, it works. It sticks. Uh, sounds good. Triple C boxing. No, I love it. I love um, it. Yeah. It sounds yes. good. So, um, go, so go. now I kind of, I kind, I kind of look at uh, the Crippler as, as my my split personality. Um, that is, you know, that's my dark side. Uh, when I'm in the ring, that's who I am. I am the Crippler. Uh, but when I'm outside of the ring, now I I am the Warrior of Light. Um, I try and be an anchor for everyone else and a beacon of light to pick them up. You know, in the ring, I'm trying to push them down. But the second I leave that ring, I'm trying to pick them up. That's awesome, brother. Uh, so for Fright Week, uh, what do you normally, like, what's the weight cut like for you? Is it hard? Is it challenging? Or are you okay with always, it? Always challenging. Um, I'm a big welterweight, 147 pounds. You know, walk around at 160, 165 pounds. Um, so it's always challenging. And then you have the nerves. Um, you have the adrenaline going off. You have different obligations that you have to do for fight week. Right. But um, it, that's, that's just part of the job. You have to be able to um, understand that, know that, and get the job done no matter what. It's the first fight before the fight, and that's making weight. I've never, ever, ever not made weight. Um, making 147 is extremely hard for me, but yet I've came in 144, 145, 143, um, those weren't supposed to happen, but I knew that there's no way I'm coming in even an ounce overweight because I'm a true professional and I've signed a contract with somebody. And if I break that contract, why wouldn't I break in a fight? Yeah. 
What's your diet like, Cody, to make weight? What kind of food are you eating? I'm interested in that. Very, very, very clean. Um, typically, I don't like eating meat anymore. Um, okay. But when getting ready for a fight, I do feel like the meat gives me more density to my body. Um, and it kind of grounds me a lot more and makes me more aggressive. Um, but outside of fighting, I like to be plant-based. Um, and even when I am fighting, I'm whole foods. Everything is about quality sourcing where the food comes from. Um, because, you know, from firsthand experience, I've been that fighter who's been very, very sick. I've had a lot of health issues. And I've also been doing things 100% correctly from the health and wellness industry. Mm -hmm. um, but why did I get sick? Even though I was eating how I was told to eat, I was taking health and wellness supplements like I was supposed to, but yet I got sick. So that shows me right there that maybe those guidelines of what we've been taught or programmed is yeah. an actual the best thing for our body you mm -hmm. know i've taken all kinds of supplements with artificial colors sweeteners dyes i was eating chicken and rice five times a day i look great i look like an action figure but i didn't realize the different seed oils the meat was getting cooked with where the meat was coming from what different additives and preservatives that were being put in the food that made me sick because my body, just like the flower outside, it's an organism. Mm -hmm. We've been we've been manipulated so long in society to think and operate like a machine, when really we are no different than that flower outside. Mm -hmm. That flower gets sun, water, and oxygen. If it starts deteriorating, well, it's missing one of those things, or it's been contaminated by an external force, mm -hmm. and anything living has the ability to um to filter itself out and heal itself right because it has life force inside of it so same thing with our bodies but when you contaminate it over a certain limit eventually there's a spillover and a disease gets created there's only so much coca-cola you can pour on that flower before it starts to wither to wither and deteriorate yeah. same thing with our body you know and i was doing that um not really knowing because that's just how we carry on as a society but now when i look at things 90 percent of the people i see on a daily basis in society are sick yeah whether it be high blood pressure liver disease um, diabetes, skin issues, um, high blood pressure, uh, neurological issues, anxiety, mm -hmm. depression, OCD. There isn't very many great looking, thriving flowers walking around. So that just kind of changed my whole mentality on health and wellness. Have you been sick since you changed your diet to a plant-based diet, or is that all gone away since you changed your diet? Um, it's it's mostly went away. I've had flare-ups come and go. Okay. Um, due to 
slowly um slowly going back to waste it's very hard to eat very very clean oh yeah nowadays you know even going to restaurants like you can go and get something clean from a restaurant but you don't know the oils that they're using and stuff like that so if i do slack a little bit on what i put in my body sometimes i will have flare-ups come back but i've been i've been very very good um the last couple years you know it went from i had while i was fighting and my own promoter i had fatty liver disease kidneys were shutting down autoimmune conditions lupus ibs poop and blood all sorts of crazy stuff to the point where some of my fights i couldn't even stand up hours before my fight i'd be crying because how am i going to go out there and box 36 minutes when i can't even stand i don't even have energy to stand up right now and i know i would just slam thousands of milligrams of caffeine and psych myself up and willfully go in there and and fight my way through it that's That's impressive uh so I'm curious about the plant-based diet myself. Now, my whole family is vegetarian. I was raised in a vegetarian home. Um, when when you talk about plant-based, are you talking about that meatless burgers and oh, things like that? No, no. Um, that's that's see now, vegan has just turned it into um, uh, almost like a trend. Just because you're eating vegan and not eating meat doesn't mean that you're eating healthy. See, you I know, to bring you that go, up. Yeah. You go and you grab a Beyond Meat burger patty. Mm-hmm. Look at the back of the ingredients list. Yeah. There's probably 20 or 30 chemicals in there that you can't even describe, you can't even pronounce. No, true enough. Um, so once again, that's just marketing and strategies for the same people who created the unhealthy food to get you sick, to get you on the pharmaceuticals, to get you to become um, a, a machine and do what they tell you. Now they realize, okay, some people are catching on, realizing that they don't have freedom if they don't have their health. So now they're looking for healthier options. Well, Maybe if we go and just change up the packaging and how we market it, um, they will still be consuming the same things that were making them sick. So I don't like to, you know, promote, be like, oh, yeah, go vegan. No, I like to promote that you should be eating high, the highest quality um, of sourcing of food that you can get, but all whole foods. If it's not living, if it doesn't come from the ground, um, you're not meant to ingest it. Look at, look at, like I was saying, that flower, that flower will grow beautifully if it has water, mm-hmm. oxygen, and sun. Yeah. Same thing with the human body. Um, same thing with your car. Your car will drive beautifully if you put gasoline in it, what yeah. it's designed to operate with. If I went and poured Coca-Cola in it, well, what's going to happen or Gatorade or something like that. Eventually um, the parts inside the car are going to deteriorate just like the organs do. And then, 
And then, sorry about that. And then what happens? The check engine light comes on right. and it says that there's something wrong with it. What is our check engine light? Our check engine light is disease. When there's disruption in the body a disharmony, the check engine light comes on to say, whoa, 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 something's going on here. If you continue this way, it's not going to be good. The organism isn't going to be here much longer. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Think about it. You, you might own, what, 10 cars in a whole lifetime, maybe five, depending, right? And you would never, ever put anything in it other than gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. You know that and you res that's how much you respect your core, a piece of metal. Yeah. Yet every single day, humans will put something inside of them knowing that it's not supposed to go in there. And you only get one of these bodies. Yeah. True. So... It seems like something is going on with how we're being told and shown um, about our bodies, about health, about wellness. So that's, oh, that's I completely enough. agree. I don't, you know, kind of going off topic here, but I almost feel that like in the States anyways, and, you know, I guess around the whole world, I think food is used by governments as a tool to hold people down in general. Like, if you think about it, like, where else can you go? Like, I'll, I'll use Seattle as an example, because that's the closest spot to us. I mean, I go to McDonald's in Vancouver here, and a Big Mac is like this. But if I go to Seattle, which is like, you know, an hour away, the Big Mac's this big sort of a deal. Do you do you feel that governments and, and you know, powers that be kind of use food as a fear tactic to kind of hold people down and to keep the populace from overthinking and whatnot? I wouldn't talk about I wouldn't even say a fear tactic. I would say as a restraint. Restraint, sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, you know, look at it this way. You, how many times do you see a dad who runs a business who works 80 hours, 100 hours a week to provide for their kids? And he goes, I do this because I love my kids this much. Mm -hmm. I'm slaving away and doing this because I love you. Mm -hmm. but yet he can't stop this motion of what he puts in his body, knowing that he has diabetes, knowing that every single day I am um, shortening my lifespan with my child. Right. So, but I know you truly deep down love your child, but if you can't stop doing that thing that's caused that disease, then that means that you are 100%, you're an addict. You, and then take it one step further, I don't even think it's an addict um, because it's messing with the, the, the neurological part of the brain, the, the, the chemicals that are being produced, the emotions that are being produced to the whole point where it completely hijacks the person's nervous system, it hijacks their mind and it hijacks their body. What happens if even caffeine, what happens if all of a sudden, you know, um, we don't have caffeine for two days, all of a sudden our head starts hurting. All of a sudden someone might start sweating. The withdrawals. The withdrawals. 
So yeah. what do what do you do to, to get it to go away? You go and grab some more. It's right. the same thing with food. And it's 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 pretty crazy because uh that controls your energy levels, it controls the way you think, it controls everything. And the way I look at it is picture uh, a fish tank, mm-hmm. right? When a fish tank is nice and clean, um, you can see right through. You can see through the front of the fish tank. You can see all the fish swimming. You can see the back of the fish tank. And then you could even see if you put your hand behind the back of the fish tank, right? You can see right through. Right. Now, why can you see right through? Because that filter system is cleaning the water and it's always clean. Right. But what happens if you poured more dirt in that tank than the silt, than the filter system can clean out? Eventually, you won't see the back yeah. of the fish tank. You won't see the fish in it. And then you can only see the front of the fish tank. That's right. the exact same thing that happens to our bodies. Every single day, all day long, we're building up contamination and toxicity and toxicity till it reaches a point where it's just, murky shitty water yeah now how am i going to navigate life if i can't even see two inches in front of me right right no fair play fair play i also think it's easier to eat bad food for people right it's cheap to get a two dollar hamburger that's a lot of people eat they can't afford to eat the good food sometimes too i think yes and that is exactly why it's set up like that there's a reason why Something that is artificial that has to be created costs hardly anything, but something that grows for free from the earth every single day is priced outrageous to the point where most people can't afford it. Yeah. But meanwhile, it's free. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Something is fishy. You something have... is fishy, but then yeah. something that takes hundreds of millions of dollars to create and generate, they give it away. Yeah, yeah. You must have an amazing resolve considering you live in Vegas and some of the best eats are right in front of you all the time, man. It is, it's very, um, yeah, you see it big time. Yeah. You see, you see it big time. So, Cody, Cody, uh, I have a feeling that this is kind of like a, a a separate path that you're kind of on besides the boxing with the wellness and the health. Is this something that you're going to proceed with as, as you grow more and more? And, you know, I, there's still tons of boxing to happen. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. you know, as that time gets closer and closer, is this the path you're looking to go on? Yes. My, um, you know, boxing is just a vehicle for me uh, to use in a platform. But my main mission right now is to make people feel whole, complete, and happy. Um, Because I know exactly what it feels like to be sick to the point where you can't do what you want to do and when you want to take your own life. So because I know from my own experience, um, I personally don't ever want to experience that again. And I see hundreds of people on a daily basis that are experiencing that same thing Mm -hmm. so 
it seems like a no brainer to me to go and help to be of service. Um, what's, what's the, what's the point of sitting on top of the mountain with all the money in the world, being a champion, if you're up there all by yourself, I, I I don't want to be like that. I want to be, I want, I want everyone to be up there with me. And this Uh, is why we're all Canadians here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. Right. Um, and right now it is just, it's a, it's a very, strange time that we live in in the world Mm -hmm. um you know when they are forcing you to get injections and then at the same time bribing you with stuff that goes directly against your health you know come here get an injection you get a free free box of donuts yeah or you get a free a free big mac if if any of that was, was for your health, um, it just wouldn't add up or make sense. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that here. They didn't give us anything. They just gave us shots. <laughs> In the States, they were saying, if you want to get vaccinated, we'll give you this, this. Wow. Yeah. You, you had, you had governors, um, giving out literally free boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts, wow. free vouchers for, uh, free junior McChickens, free oh, Big wow. Mac. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, just absolutely crazy. And, you know, if if you can't see through that, the food is clearly doing its job. No clearly, you can't see through the fish tank anymore. Wow. So insane. cloudy and murky. That's insane. Uh, Cody, back to boxing a little bit here, brother. Just a quick question. Uh, who would... Who inspired you as you know as boxers growing up? Who who did you get into? Who who were your inspirations? Or, or did you have any of those? Um, first one was Rocky, even yeah. though it's a movie. Um, that yeah. was my number one motivation. I would wake up, and what what happened with him? Right, he wasn't blessed with the talent. But he had a heart and he just wouldn't quit and the will to win. And he showed that with that, you could become a world champion. So I kind of, I was in the exact same position. So I really gravitated towards Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny thing is, there's a picture of me blown up in, in one of the final Rocky movies of Creed, oh, wow. um, which was very cool. Manifested 10 years later, a picture of me in that movie. Awesome. Uh and then the first boxer, boxer, the first fight I actually watched was Mayweather versus De La Hoya. Oh, wow. And after that fight, I would sit up all day long on my YouTube watching videos of Floyd and Roger hitting pads in the gym. And something right there just inspired me and said, I can do this. I can be right there with him. Um, and what I thought you'd end up sparring with him. Like I want to be. And then, it. yeah. Once again, 10 years later, um, I'm standing in the ring with him. There's his dad in the corner. Um, and that just that shows the power of the mind. If you have a vision in your head and you have a will so strong and a belief, eventually it can manifest itself right here in front of you. Just like every single invention that's ever been made 
how many millions and millions um, of this, the, the exact same process has happened where a guy has a picture in his head of something. He tries and tries and tries. And then eventually it just magically appears here in the third dimension. But it was just a picture in his head. We have millions and millions of those examples. But yeah. right there, what does what does the food do? What does the chemicals do? What does you know the fluoride in the water do? All right. that um, takes that strength away. Yeah, yeah, no, so I agree with you completely. Basically, that takes the people's power away from creating the reality that they want the picture that they see in their head how they want to live who they want to be that takes that power away from them so absolutely so spending time with floyd way there i mean everyone's got an opinion but what was he like um to me he was nothing but generous humble um very appre appreciative of my work um nothing but a great person do you think he gets a bad uh, rap of course yeah i think i think that if you had thousands of people every single day pulling on you for their own um selfish yeah. reasons yeah um i think that those odd times when you do shut people down, when you don't give them what they want, they are going to blow that up and use it against you. Well, it's kind of like but, the whole scenario, like you can save three children in a bur burning building, but the next day run over an old lady, no one's going to remember you saving the children. No, but nobody, all I hear about is Floyd's a dick. Floyd's horrible. Yeah. But I never hear about the hundreds of people that he employs every day. Mm -hmm. The guy spends a million dollars on his training camp. Who's running all of that? Those are his friends. Those are his family members that he's gave jobs to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, he, that he's bought houses for, that he's bought cars for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I'll still never, never forget uh, on fight week week when he was fighting conor mcgregor um the thursday of fight week you know i got a I got a call don't worry about coming in today cody there's no sparring we're all done um but my mom was in town and she really wanted to go to the gym and i was like mom you know let's just not go i don't really like being in that scene around a bunch of people um just sitting there watching someone train but she's like cody can we please go so we went and there's about 200 reporters. It was Thursday night, right? 72 hours before. So it was like a media workout mm -hmm. and about 200 reporters in the gym. And I'm just sitting off to the corner on a bench. And Floyd just catches me under the corner of his eye, stops hitting the bag, moves everyone, move, 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 comes over to me. And he's like, Cody, what's up? What do you, they didn't text you that you didn't have to come tonight? No smart. I don't need you tonight, brother. Oh, your mom? Oh, hi. Hi, Julie. Now, right. you just went and stopped your workout to come and make sure that I was okay. Do you need anything? Why are you here? So 
how could I, how could I ever have anything bad to say about someone's actions like that? No, absolutely. No, I, you know, and that's beautiful. This is what we want. I mean, again, all you guys are in there training your asses off, working, 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 right? And it's just, I always feel that anybody wants to hear about is the negative shit. And we just want to bring light to everybody, man. Like bring the goodness that everyone possesses that we know they possess. I'm sure there's some real big dicks out there. I get it. But, you know, when I look at some of these big names, like all I hear is bad, 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 but there's got to be good. And here's an opportunity today where we can shine light on one of the greatest ever. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and bring that out to the people here. So thank you for that, Cody. I really appreciate it. Uh, Chad loves to do this thing. He, he loves to shout out some names and uh, get your opinions on them. Are you ready, Chad? Yeah, I'm just going to play a name association association game. I'm going to say some names and some bosses. Give me the first few thoughts that pops in your head, kind of to wrap it up. I got I got about three minutes left, guys. Okay, perfect. Okay, yeah. okay. Manny Pacquiao. Legend. Hero. I would love to fight him. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Uh, Arturo Thunder Gotti. Warrior. Never quit. Keep coming forward. Roy Jones Jr. Flashy. Quick. Superstar. Nice. And we'll do one more. We already talked about him. Floyd Money Mayweather. Genius. I like that. Perfect. Uh, last question here. We talked about Manny Pacquiao. We didn't really get into much of this kind of stuff, but I'm kind of curious. Your thoughts. Connor Ben versus Manny Pacquiao. I don't know if it's official yet, but there is talk of this coming down. Yeah, who knows? Um, who really knows? Uh, there's so much ideas that get thrown around in the sport of boxing. Yeah. Um, you know, another another idea is Earl Spence, I get number one position and Earl Spence moves up um, to 154 pounds and now all of a sudden his world title is vacant. So now I'm fighting for a vacant WBC world title. How about the idea that I fight Manny Pacquiao for the WBC world title? I would love to see in, that. In Canada. Be awesome. Wow. In Canada. In Toronto. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. That happens, a, we will be there. You know what? Manifest it, brother. I'm manifesting it already. I've already written it down on my vision board. Awesome, brother. Man. I moved it so fast. He didn't even see me right. Cody, thank you so much for taking this time out of your busy schedule. You're three weeks out of fight, the fight week here. So thank you for everything. You got all our support in the world. We wish you the best. We wish you the best to health. Uh, and we wish the rest of your camp to be successful. And we can't wait to see you walk down that aisle, brother. Uh, have you thought about the music or anything yet? Or is it too early? Um, You know what? I actually, I had a nice thing planned out. I actually, music has been a huge, uh, a huge part in my own self-healing. Um, and so I've always wanted to get into music and I've went and actually started recording my own music. Um, and I want to have my own walkout song and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to be the co-main event of this fight and right. I would, I had a whole walkout thing and everything planned, but, um, things changed 
And, you know, powers that be now have me as the opening fight. So I'm going to save, I'm going to save that uh, personal walkout for my world title fight. Awesome. Awesome, brother, man. Thank you so much for coming on. We much, yeah. really appreciate it. Absolutely, Cody. Thank you so much, brother, man. And thank you and God bless. And, you know, we wish you the best in this upcoming fight. And hopefully we can get you back on after the fight, uh, you know, to talk about other things and music. And I think there's just so much we can keep going on about yes, here outside of Boston. And I, I, I plan on coming out to Vancouver sometime this summer. Awesome. So it would be nice. We'd Thank you. Take care.